is Joe here. This is Jordan. This is the 8 a.m. shift. 8 a.m. shift on the reels. That's right. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> so what's up, man? Nothing much, man. So as our as of time of recording this, yeah. uh, the Puerto Rican Day Parade took place this past Sunday. Right. Um, this feels like some kind of like sci-fi movie. We're like, at the time of this recording, the animals were still running the uh, earth. I don't know, right? It's like <laughs> it's like the, it's like like a lost USB in like yeah. a Jurassic World. <laughs> I actually, uh, I just, I just, uh, watch, I love Twelve Monkeys, and uh, Ali hadn't seen it, so we watched it like a week or so ago. And if you're familiar, like they're like the animals are basically taking over the earth because like a virus was re- like released. And uh, so funny enough, I actually haven't watched it yet. Oh, dude! But I know yeah, the I know the premise about. of it. I know the premise of it. Yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's like one of my all time favorite like sci fi movies. Yeah, it's a cult classic that I really should get yeah, around to you watching. Should, you should hop on that. You know, it, <laughs> you know it's gonna. I realize the theme of this podcast is also gonna be me <laughs> me. Admit, me admitting I haven't watched something and then. It, like between episodes watching it and then coming back to the next episode like okay i finally watched it. like <laughs> like with thor ragnarok like yeah, last yeah, yeah, episode yeah. i was like yeah i haven't watched it yet and everyone's like no you haven't watched it yet how could you not watch it yet and then i'm like all right now i've watched it it was on netflix they mm. put <laughs> thor ragnarok on netflix it was almost meant to be man i know i know <laughs> so what'd you think it was good i think it had incredible art direction i think the color palette they used for it was was fantastic <laughs> amazing yeah. um dc you could use a you could learn a lot from the thor ragnarok color, <laughs> oh yeah color dude. palette dude i was watching uh <laughs> and i may have mentioned this in the last one but i was watching justice league on a plane and i was like why does this look so awful and then i was like no that's the way it originally looked <laughs> like it's not even the the shitty plane you know <laughs> monitor that's making it look bad it's, it's funny you say that because uh, as I'm watching Thor Ragnarok, there's that scene with the villain who, he's essentially like this demon that's encapsulated by fire. Right. He's the one, he's also the one that, um, I think his his goal, his end goal is to initiate Ragnarok. Right, yeah. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, he looks just like a DC villain from a DC movie. Right. Why does this look so much better that's what I'm saying, dude. In he, a it's like, movie. That's exactly what they wanted to create, only it looks a million times better. Right. Dude. And he's not like even the main villain in that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. It's crazy. Uh, I think the music was great, too. They had a yeah, great soundtrack. Awesome soundtrack. Um, I've been listening to uh, Led Zeppelin's uh, Immigrant Song um, for the last few days now because of it. It's amazing how Led Zeppelin has this incredible ability to, to weave these folklore-esque narratives dude lord the of the music. rings <laughs> right, right. uh i mean i grew up a gigantic led zeppelin yeah i'm one of the people who feels like and i may catch some fire for this but i feel like they never made a bad album dude. Mm. i can listen at any moment like any time like depend yeah i could put on an album of theirs and just like rot, let it ride and listen to any led zeppelin all right all right no i could i could totally believe that you know um that's cool. So you enjoyed Thor Taika Waititi, who did yeah. the film, if I'm pronouncing his name right. He's an awesome, awesome director. Like, I was familiar with a lot of his stuff from uh, New Zealand. Um, he did a film called Boy that's awesome. Um, but uh, when he when I heard he was... Uh, coming on uh, or when he, when he was coming on to do Thor Ragnarok... Uh, I was very excited because I, I knew what he was capable of as a director. Right. And then, like, the product they got was, like, amazing. Dude. Like like I said, what one, he brought his humor, which I think right. Thor needed badly. Because, like, the, the previous films, like, the humor, right. they kind of just right. kind of, like, tried to, like, shoehorn in there. Just right. really didn't work. Uh, so he brought his humor, which, like, really, like, just made the film kind of, like, flow a lot better. Like, uh, and then... Like you said, the color palette, the cinematography, yeah. like all those touches, like really, like felt like him. Right? Yeah, felt like a Taika Waititi yeah. film. So, anyway, man, uh, yeah, I love the movie. Yeah, and they also had these like Mad Max esque elements in it yeah, too that yeah, I thought yeah, were pretty yeah. cool. Um, even, I mean, there were times where I think maybe some of it went a little, was a little over the top. Although I'll put it like this: I, if any like Marvel property should be over the top, I think Thor is like right. the one. You know, <laughs> well, you know, it's like after Guardians, like they kind of found their groove with. Right with it and I, I, you can tell Thor Ragnarok being the production was probably wouldn't have happened if Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't a massive success right and I, I may have I think I'm, I've mentioned this possibly on the previous podcast but uh, last week's episode but 
Uh, I'll just say it again. It was a birth movies death article. I apologize for not remembering uh, who was the writer. It might have been Scott Wampler. Uh, but it did a really good article that basically st- speaks about how when James Gunn came in to do Guardians, it sort of kicked off this new era of Marvel. Right, right. Where, like, the director's right. signature and, like, their stamp on the films were really noticeable. Like, right. Marvel was basically, like, take this. This is yours put your stamp on it. Right. And you've seen that with Thor Ragnarok, the two Guardians films, even the Russo brothers now, right? You see, and um, oh, I can't remember his name, but he's awesome. He did a director who did Home, Spider-Man Homecoming, Homecoming did yeah. a film called Cop Car, and a film called Clown Previous that are awesome. Right, so right. It's, uh, I, I like to see these very director-centric films, like they're allowing them to... to Put their or to or touch on it if you if you want to say right right. So, right. Um, anyway, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. It's like once James Gunn came in, it's like you started yeah. to see this happen with their films, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, DC, take notice. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day that we we finally get a sponsor, and it happens to be DC. They're like, oh, we love your podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Like, what? <laughs> Joe, is this blood money? <laughs> Are they luring us in? Uh, the funny thing is, is like the one like successful, and even though you do see the DC touches on it a bit, uh, the one successful like DC property is Wonder Woman, and that's because you got more Patty Jenkins. Yeah, right? she she knew how to handle that material and that character. So, uh, anyway, yeah. But DC, if you want to sponsor us, we're all for it. <laughs> I'll be like, I love Justice League. <laughs> it's not shit at all. <laughs> ben Affleck was fantastic as Batman. <laughs> he was an amazing choice. He was an amazing choice as Batman. No <laughs> problems there. Even better, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> What else was happening? What else was happening this week? Um, I started for, for I started watching Blue Bloods for basically no reason at all. <laughs> Blue Bloods is like it was like it's like the white made for you, man. I know, but but it's like the white version of Scandal. <laughs> I've never seen Scandal, but I'll take your word for it. Um, I, I was my reading. mom loved uh, Blue Bloods, or at least was watching it. But it's mostly because of Tom Selleck. Yeah, Tom Selleck. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I could see the. I, I, I can see. But the appeal is of right. seeing uh, Tom Selleck as this aging patriarch in it's the just, in the Reagan's family. It's not even. It's the mustache, man. It's the mustache. He's Magnum PI. It's like there's nothing. There's nothing you can do. But if you want, if you're like, you know what, my uh, ratings need. Um, Women, <laughs> ages, like, you know, like ages like fifty and 50 up. Fifty and up. <laughs> Put Tom Selleck in your movie. It's gonna be not to be honest. Not even fifty. You can go lower than that. Yeah, it's, probably like forty-five crazy. and up. But it's it's funny because even like girls, like or girls, women my age. I apologize. <laughs> even women my age, they knew him from Friends. So it was like he was like the older guy that in Friends, like you laugh, Jordan's cracking up over here. I forgot he was in Friends. Yeah, but but it was like he was the guy that like swept Monica off her feet, you know. So I don't know. It's creepy, <laughs> but but it's true. Yeah, but it, I, I'm, I'm like connecting the dots. Like a younger generation was introduced to Tom Selleck because of their binge watching habits of related to Netflix. Uh, acquiring friends. See, that's not even like I watched that as it aired, but it's true. You may even have right. I were binge watching it, and they're like, "Who is this guy?" And then they see Blue Bloods, and like, Jesus. <laughs> um, you know why I hate Blue Bloods? I've barely even seen the show. I think I've only seen the first episode. They they shoot my neighborhood, they, or they used to shoot my neighborhood a lot, and they used to mess up parking. So, do <laughs> <laughs> <Screw> you, Blue Bloods? <laughs> I feel like every uh, every working class neighborhood treats like a blue blood shooting like uh, production, like like some type of red carpet event. <laughs> you know, like can you imagine like all yeah. the union guys? Yo, Tony, in- get the salami sandwiches. We got blue buds in town. <laughs> I don't know, right? Like um. <laughs> 
<laughs> Garrison Beach has like a mini parade for Tom Selleck's arrival. <laughs> you know, Bay, Bay, Bay Ridge, like <laughs> the bagel place in Bay Ridge. Suddenly, like everything starts tasting even better. Uh, it's amazing. The, go- the golf course in Diker Heights yeah. <laughs> is suddenly cleaner. Yeah, right. Wow, yeah. Wow. It hasn't been like that for a long time. Um, but yeah, like I guess like Donnie Wahlberg is there. Olive is there? Kerry Washington. <laughs> he. That's, that's it, someone image. made this critique that in Blue Bloods, it's like it's as if they're the only family that knows how to like solve a crime in the entire NYPD <laughs> justice system. Right. It's always like it always opens up with like a crime happen, a bunch of beat cops are around it. Like the detective comes, it's Donnie Wahlberg. Right. He's the one there. He ma- he magically runs into his brother, who's like a a, a rookie cop. Right. And I guess like I'm watching like the first season, so he's like no longer rookie now, you know. And then um, his sister's a prosecutor, so then she gets the cases that Donnie I guess runs. In. <laughs> um, and then you know they have like these uh family moments where they they bring like the uh the more quintessential ethical issues to the family table so now you're openly talking about it to your police chief father right right, over family dinner and the best part i think about those family dinner parts is that there's the um older uh patriarch of the family who's uh tom Selleck's father right who's kind of like what you would imagine a problematic like guy who probably fought in like the korean war and (laughs) is openly saying things that you would consider like problematic or racist mm. by by your conventional uh shipperg liberal standards then. <laughs> but it's fucking great. I feel like yeah. I'm watching a documentary. Yeah, like I said, I feel like it was a really, show. Blue Bloods is really a documentary. Blue Bloods is a documentary. <laughs> it was a show made for you. <laughs> I, I feel I'm not no, the I, shield was made for me. <laughs> I uh the one thing is, man, and it's just like I've never been able to really get down with a lot of CBS shows. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like the production values on their shows, like the look of their shows. They all have this like. You don't like Big Bang Theory? <laughs> Oddly enough, I used to watch Big Bang Theory earlier. I wasn't one of those people who was like, uh, this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't how nerds are. This is just taking our culture and reappropriating it. And I was like, I yo, pump the break. I had one friend that literally, like, that was hands down. Almost like word for word, everything you, you know just what said. I felt like being like. I was like, you, you know, all those uh, toys you've been able to find online again. <laughs> Thank uh, <laughs> Big Bang Theory for that. <laughs> um, so I used to watch it early on. It got a little like repetitive, but it was funny early on. Right. Like, I didn't, but it's not even really their sitcoms, although their sitcoms need a bit of an overhaul too, just because they're like one of the last, like, sh- sh- like stations holding on to like the studio sitcoms even though a couple right, of right, right. uh but yeah really they're they're like dramas i i haven't really been able to get down i never really liked the look of them right uh i don't know but uh yeah maybe i'll check blue buds out I, like i said i watched one episode i would like the first episode when it aired and i was kind of like <laughs> I didn't hate it, didn't love it, but I was like, do I want to dedicate my time to this? But maybe now that I could like binge it and watch a few more episodes, then you know. Yeah, I'm not no pressure. I mean, I'm I'm trying to figure out if I'm gonna stick around after like four or five episodes because I'm I'm foreseeing like three episodes from now. You're like, yo, and in season four, <laughs> <laughs> Dottie has a heart to heart moment. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. has a heart. How is Dottie in it? Is he like like how is he playing a New York cop? He's, he's from Boston, right? Yeah. They're, they're like really Boston. Boston. They're like South. I don't know. I feel right? like white guys in like in coastal cities are <laughs> all the same. A, oh, not a far cry from each other. <laughs> um, no, nah, he, he does a pretty good job. I mean, he's he's <laughs> he's doing his like, imagine. <laughs> I keep thinking of Max Payne. Is he better than, than he is in Soa? <laughs> I keep thinking of Max Payne, his brother. His brother oh, being in Max Payne. Ooh. Um, this is for whatever reason there's one scene where he's like he's doing like OT hours. Right. He eats a like a cold slice of pizza and downs a coffee while he's doing it and and I just thought to myself such an accurate depiction of uh <laughs> of uh detective life. Um other 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 funny parts to it too is that um Bridget Moynihan is his uh sis- his sister right. in it. Who I like. I think she's a good actor. Yeah, she's great. Um 
her character has like these Tom Brady, like fuck Tom Brady elements in, <laughs> incorporated into it because she's like a divorcee, um, has to split custody with her uh, ex-husband with the daughter. Right. And I'm like, oh, they just wrote part of her actual life into right, the, right, right, the right. series and fuck Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say fuck Tom Brady? Fuck Tom Brady. There you go. Um... um. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm personally turning over. I'm kind of a Tom Brady fan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast ends now. <laughs> we, we, we break up at episode 20. <laughs> that is, it is big. This is episode 20, actually, which is... Yeah, 20. Um, We're also talking about the 20, 20 years since Capital Punishment, the Big Pun album. That's right. A New York City classic. 20 on 20. 20 on 20. <laughs> which the album was technically released... In April of 1998, so we're a little we're we're off by a few months, but but you know it's still 20 years. Yeah, I mean the summer of 98 was a great year for hip hop. You know, um, that it was. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of great great albums that came out. The whole like 97 to 99 period I thought was really poignant. And what I think what I think is significant too is um, you know, with all this 90s nostalgia, right. um, if you take it a step further, there's a lot of stuff that happened. Around that time, I mean, Oz came out, I believe, in '98 or '97. Right. Um, everyone talks about the 20 years of Sex in the City, which, if you watch Sex in the City now, and I've never watched an episode of, well, I've watched a few episodes, but never like sat there and like actually ingested it, and right. the way I probably should have, be, being a huge TV addict that I am. <laughs> um, it's a little antiquated now. Um, Definitely. You know, but I mean, you could say something about rap music back in '98. They're like, right. why, why are they celebrating? Uh, selling poison in their community well there's this guy named ronald reagan not to be not, not to be confused with the reagan family and blue bloods <laughs> uh, you're really deep man if yeah, right. uh, <laughs> smoking weed right now like i really went there <laughs> um, um but yeah like there's a lot of antiquated things but i think for if you grew up in new york city at the time you know you couldn't ignore these things um even if you were like a metalhead, you know, I know you were a big metalhead growing up. To be honest, at that time I was listening to both because hip hop was actually good. So yeah, it was like I was listening to metal and hip hop. I just but the attitude and the energy that you felt from both of them, like I mean, like DMX is also like he had like, yeah. like DMX also had a lot of gothic elements to like yeah, yeah, marketing yeah. too. I mean, it's, it's I remember the first time I saw it with the the blood in the bathtub. Yeah, the, I was like, what? Yeah, he always like these biblical like gothic yeah. elements. His first album was called "It's Dark and Hell Is Hot." His second one was called "Flesh of My Flesh." Right. You know. Um, what else? Uh, I mean, yeah, like nine, like those are some poignant years, and I think even the media it was reflected in the media too. Right. Um, Bill Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky scandal was boiling over. Whew. It's a crazy time, man. Crazy time. What a time to be alive. The funny thing is, is like the very end of that in the early two thousands almost killed both genres. <laughs> Hip hop and metal got really bad. I think for a point there. Yeah. I mean, there was some. I mean, there was some like touchstone moments that I still carry. Obviously, on each genre. We, yeah. Every year, there was always a couple of good things that came out. You know, like I can I could always like pick albums from each year yeah, that, yeah. I, that I liked. But you know, there was just like this influx of like really really bad. I mean, to be honest, metal probably a little bit early on because like the whole new metal scene was just like and you new metal was pretty awful. <laughs> There was jo some good bands. Joe's Joe's grimacing at me right now because the one thing going off in his head right now is you and your love for fucking Kid Rock. <laughs> it knows and no it's, bounds. It's not that I really love Kid Rock. I like Kid Rock. You the love way, Kid I Rock. like Kid, I like Kid Rock the way I like Kanye West, which is code for like they're both Trump supporters. Jordan. <laughs> uh, it's like I said, like the first his first album has some good tracks. I'm not gonna I'm deny that, but it was just like, you know. The studios or the uh, you know record companies like started to churn out like all these new metal bands and just it became yeah. like what was like a movement in like the say early mid nineties became just this like mass produced garbage product. So like new metal started with like Corn, who is now like you know they were seen as like you know like. Some one of the yeah. giants in it, but when they first started, those first couple albums were awesome. Yeah, like they yeah. were nobody, and these were like independent, not independent albums, but you know, like nobodies. Yeah. And but then this band called Helmet, right? There was right. Uh, you know, 
and then even even though I I wouldn't necessarily consider them that, but like Sublime, Led Zilla, so and it was Ooh, that's like, interesting. I never really thought of Sublime. No, because I don't consider them new metal, but they definitely led to the creation of new metal. Mm. This element of rock metal with hip hop or even you know reggae elements oh. to it, like the the fusion of those. Yeah, I've always felt Sublime. They took a lot of style, right? Because like Rage Against the Machine, I would never consider new metal. Oh no, but they definitely led to what would become new metal. Right. So say same thing with a band like Helmet. Helmet had this Did you very... just say that Rage Against the Machine gave us Kid Rock, Joe? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Rage Against the Machine is like <laughs> they're they're like gods to me, man. It's right. beyond. But like I'm just saying It's like saying Jimmy Jimi Hendrix gave us uh Ted Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, whoa, no, bro. No, I'm just kidding. First off, they're not even close to the same types of guitars. And also, like Ted that. Nugent doesn't have a biracial son, so... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kid Rock's only, like, slightly more redeemable. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe we went there. I know. But point being, uh, you know, like, the, this... The the record companies like basically spawned this like yeah, garbage yeah. genre out of like something that started very pure. Yeah, so like people yeah. think of new metal now as one of the worst periods in metal. But like if you look at the early stages of it, there was some amazing like revolutionary stuff happening that just got mutated into this like garbage genre. Yeah, basically. no, I, I agree. Um it's funny too because the funniest thing about rock in particular is that the the way the trends work is almost like complete polar opposites, right? right? So like, you went from like you know like like metal like I guess, I, I guess like folk rock was kind of popular in like the earlier part of the nineties, right? And then it kind of like slowly drifted into like new metal, metal new metal, right? right. At one point, um, and then after that there was like this kind of like weird period where. Um, I don't know what you want to call Evanescence or Linkin Park. <sighs> yeah, but that's the thing. Is there was a point where they Linkin were... Linkin Park is definitely part of that new metal genre. Yeah, they're probably... They, were like, new... they came at the end, end of, of it, it yeah. and like kind of rolled Rose. into their own right. thing. But how, how would you describe it? Because they were definitely disciples of, like say, like Rage Against the Machine. Of a, course, a, a, but that's, what, but that's yeah, what I'm right. saying. New metal, Rage Against the Machine was basically like even though i don't consider them that and they're definitely not oh yeah metal. i mean i've been started listening to them again and like i still love everything i can they do. tell you every one of those albums like off top like uh, can i be a blue was... bloods fan and be a raging <laughs> absolutely god not give me a sign <laughs> um, <laughs> watching the super bowl and um all along the watchtower comes on yeah. and i'm like Yo, this is a song that inspired me to want to become a cop. And then you just looked at me like, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with I you? I wanted to be like, listen to it again. <laughs> um, He's talking about guarding the watchtower. Like police officer. <laughs> listen to it again. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I don't know. But, where but I guess the point is that like, I feel like, and after that, and like, I guess like in that kind of like 2005 and, and after. Right. Indie rock became a huge thing too, right? And well, like, that's the thing is like there. So like there was this chunk like in the uh, say like the early mid two thousands, right? Where like rock had kind of really like taken a dive, and then like you had these like indie rock bands coming up, right? And you had these metal bands that were like way under the radar, but right. there was like really good stuff being made. Right, right. It wasn't nobody cared about it anymore, so it was cool. So it wasn't getting like corrupted by like by the record companies and stuff. So there was you know movement. So like I don't yeah. know if you're familiar. I'll just like real quickly drop this like these like metal like tip. So like in the '80s there was a movement called the New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Right, right, right. That was right. like Judas Priest, right, Iron right, Raiden and all right. That. They were big, iconic. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know that in the in the two thousands, like the early to mid two thousands, probably more mid two thousands, there was a wave called the new wave of American heavy metal, and it was all these like young American bands who were like in fiddle, in, um, influenced by like, you know, those old speed metal right. bands and thrash metal bands. Right. And it's right. like, and they there were some really really cool bands that a lot of people don't know about. Right. Right. But they were doing some really cool stuff. So it's like it was there. It was like. But right. there was also just a lot of like just crapping. Yeah, and it's like peaks and valleys, and that's the one thing I always find interesting about rock music. Um, even now, like I had a conversation with someone about it, where they were just like, you know, "Rock right now, as general speaking, is like it's it's dead because the 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 value of producing or putting a band together just isn't that that particularly high." Yeah, no, I mean, listen, they're making their money on touring, so it's like unless you can actually tour and make some money, yeah, like, what's the point? Yeah, right? um, 
and what's crazy is that there's still like those select few that are still like kind of almost iconic for like the space they they operate in like right. tv on tv on uh the radio yeah, yeah, yeah is like still pretty popular whenever they do something. oh yeah you see them anywhere yeah. people are gonna be like i want to watch that exactly show. you know yeah. or um even like even though janelle Monet isn't technically a band um right. it's like her setup and like the way she like as a musician right um like she, there's still like a lot of there's like an incredible amount of interest in what she right, does right. you know um and i guess you could even say for like stuff that that's kind of connected to afropunk as a whole it's still right. pretty popular but i mean as far as like um move as far as like a move as far as like um like a a like genre like a, i guess subgenre movement it's right. kind of like i don't see too many rock subgenre movements being like at the forefront at the moment and it's like really strange to me yeah it's not happening what's happening is is now you have these bands that have they've just like had these followings for a very long time so it's like it's like in the festival circuits you'll see yeah. so it's like like people see like the national they're like oh they're an awesome band like they ain't selling they're not platinum albums but yeah. it's like people love them they still go see them right. right so it's just like now instead of like the movement itself being this huge thing it's like these bands like get followed and like people are gonna like get right. by the albums or mostly see them in, when they're live but the amount i can't hate on the the 2000s that much because uh like one of the greatest metal bands of all time in my opinion mastodon came in that time right and, they, right. and to be honest that they, they should get tons of credit because they've built huge following they headline their own shows and it's like they've put out incredible albums from the beginning of their career to now they had an album out about a year or so ago each album progresses and they just get better and better and better it's right. just like they they've been able to kind of like make it through that and like s sustain this like following right so it's cool to see but it's like it's very different you know the landscape like people who are like you know metal will rise again i'm like no no it's not it's never gonna be like what it was in the 80s that was a time and you know that's yeah. done with now yeah i know i think music as a whole might have been better in the 80s but <laughs> you know we have spotify playlists that'll keep us there satiated you there you go i mean it's funny too because even as music as a whole like you look back at the structure of like albums right and you're almost like, man, it's so much easier and better to consume music now. Oh, much than, easier and, yeah, than, yeah. than ever before. And I think that's part of the reason why, like now, you know, like how there aren't as many, like I guess, like the '90s trend, right? right is almost like it, it's like you don't have to embrace it. It's not like a universally heralded right. trend. But for people that are like that were babies in the '90s, right. they're embracing it because they didn't get a chance to do that. And they have like all these playlists and all these like, like these these um means of accessing what it looked like in the right, 90s right, right, you know right. like they can go on netflix and watch friends they can uh go on spotify and look at a this is the 90s playlist you know um right they can google a bunch of images of like chokers and jinka jeans and <laughs> you know they're making a comeback now you know so <laughs> i guess all that being said i guess we could wrap up this conversation yeah. um we're gonna have a conversation well actually with... before you lead into that just really quickly uh i, j I think we both we both have the same sentiment i just want to give um you know just much respect to anthony bourdain man he passed away oh this yeah last week. absolutely and uh man i was such a huge fan of the dude's uh show and his work and yeah. um yeah he'll be missed man rip you know and i uh, one thing to add too is that i think like i always knew i think generally speaking, we all knew people were fans i think what what surprised me was the amount of um I was actually surprised at the number of POCs that were so vocal about it after right. he passed. Like I always knew he. Like I mean, don't get me twisted. He was a pretty like well cultured guy. So like right, I, right. I wouldn't. I would never be. I, I, but I was surprised at how many POCs that he's whose lives he touched. Just because it's not something that. I think when you're in like general circles, you may say you're a fan, but you don't realize how much this guy influenced. Right. Influenced you, and to hear a lot of my friends say like, "Yo, this guy was." like a template for how i want to be like that was like i was really that was surprising you know? you know he was he was a guy who had a lot of troubles in his life yeah. he was able to overcome them be successful while doing it but also like go into these other cultures and like treat them with respect right yeah. and shine a light on not only like these great things that they offer whether it be through food or what have you but also some of the trials and tribulations that like these countries are going through and like trying to shed a light on that and you know people respect it man. yeah absolutely. uh i loved watching the show because it won like it you know just gave me insights into certain countries and cities that i didn't know about in terms of like again what, what they were going through but also like 
these awesome places to go try food, man. Like anytime, like Ali and I went to travel, now we'd be like, maybe we should try that place, that board thing. Yeah, man. you know, it's just it's an incredible show, man. We're extremely well made, and you know, he was doing some crazy stuff. Yeah. So, uh, rest in peace, boy Dane. Yeah, rest in peace, boy Dane. Uh, you want to lead us into the next one? Yeah. So uh, we got an interview um, with a friend of mine, Jose Torres worked on a documentary about capital punishment the first big punisher album um so if you're down for some like i guess like nostalgia and some great bits about the bronx stick around there you go there we go Hey guys, this is Jose Torres, and I am a producer slash filmmaker, um, also producer slash co-director of the uh, 20th anniversary of the Capital Punishment documentary for Title. Dope. Dope. Thanks for being on, dude. Yeah, thanks for coming through, thanks man. Thanks for having me. So I guess we were kind of connecting this episode to the Puerto Rican Day Parade that took place on Sunday. Right. Um, I guess give us a little bit about your background. Um, anything that you feel comfortable sharing that you're co- that you're working on currently, and um, we'll jump right into it. Dope. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I am full Puerto Rican, New York, a uh, native New Yorker. I was born born in Brooklyn, raised in the Bronx. I'm a Bronx kid. Uh, I live I live in, in Manhattan now in a nice neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> where in uh, where in Brooklyn were you born, dude? I was born in Bushwick. Oh, all right. Nice. That's where my dad and mom were raised. They were raised in Bushwick. So, right. uh, you oh know. wow! So you're like third, like second generation. Yeah. Second, okay. they both they were both born in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, my mom my mom was brought to Brooklyn very early as a child, but my dad got here when he was like sixteen, seventeen. Right, right, right. So yeah, okay. yeah it's a second generation New Yorker. Right. Yeah. Do you know a part of Bushwick? Or? Yeah. Um. I was born at Wyckoff Hospital. I don't even know if that oh, hospital yeah. exists anymore. You from Brooklyn? I'm from Brooklyn, but I'm trying to remember if that's still around. Wyckoff. I don't remember if Wyckoff. Really, like might have still might have changed. But probably that sounds yeah. probably yeah. a different name. Yeah. 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 That was the Hood Hospital back in the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, I'm from Cabo Hill, so I was born oh, in Brooklyn. Okay. But like, you know, I've been all over Brooklyn. <laughs> about yeah. I mean, I've lived always in Cabo Hill, but like, I know Brooklyn like the back of my hand. Right. So yeah. yeah well, Wilson Avenue. I I used to live oh, on right, a right, little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little uh, what what they call them? Little railroad apartments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, in, right, uh, right. Yeah, in Bushwick on Wilson Avenue, Wilson and Hancock. Nice. Where'd you when you oh, moved wow. to the Bronx? Where'd you wind up? I moved to the Bronx when I was about seven. Right. My 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 mom moved out there, and I ended up on Valentine Avenue first. Valentine's where, dude? What what name? What uh, area? like going towards Fordham Road. Oh, okay, yeah. Like okay. uh, yeah, going towards Fordham Road, Valentine, like right off of Webster Avenue, and then later on. We ended up on Webster, like Webster and one six eight, so like yeah, South Bronx, right, right, right. Super Hood, right, right, and that's where like I was raised. Like most of my years were spent on Webster right. Avenue. Nice, dude. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so how do you feel about the Bronx kind of having like this watershed moment? And and I know I mentioned I mean I mentioned this to you in the email, but I feel like you know Bronx right now is the Bronx right now is having that Brooklyn moment just a little bit, maybe not especially like parts of South Bronx because oh, it's like yeah. so close, so bro, yeah, yeah, so bro, so bro, you know. But I mean, I look it, at it, soon and soon enough, it's gonna be so bro because there's right. oh, yeah. a bunch of bros living. There. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. I, I was thinking all like the cultural touchstones, like you have like Jesus and Miro that are, like did so much for the borough as like real ass like hip hop New Yorkers, right? right? Um, you have Cardi B that kind of brought attention back to it, and even though people have a lot of gripes with with her and like her style, what she represents, it's like it's a very authentic representation of what people see sometimes. Yeah, right. you know, um, the skate crew Las Brujas, like they mm-hmm. kind of like. I mean, I thought I was really impressed by you. you have like this feminist like skate revolution, and they're like from like you know when you think of when you think of like feminist skateboarders you automatically think of some like assholes that live in like bushwick right now right. on wilson avenue <laughs> oh, and, yeah and, and right. Like, right yeah but it's not a new wilson avenue but you have <laughs> yeah. this multi-ethnic group of of young women who you know rep, that, rep, that want to decolonize skateboarding and they're from the x of all places you know what i mean right um and lastly you also have like the more cultural touchstones like bronx river art center um you have uh ghetto film film school yeah and yeah. the other one that comes to mind oh um 
I think the point is still there, right? The point. The point might still be there. Yeah. Damn. You know. that, that's, well, I haven't heard about the point <laughs> in years. Is, I had know. a friend who worked there. Right. You know. Yeah. So I mean, I just always wanted to hear someone. Like, I feel like we don't get ma- that many Bronx natives here. So like, feel free to like share your thoughts on it and where you see it going. No you know? doubt. I mean, the, yo, the Bronx is dope because like the Bronx, like, uh, and it's funny because even other New Yorkers have jokes about the Bronx. Right. Like, I don't know if you see the memes and stuff where people <laughs> like, oh, you know, like New York is dirty, and I think it, I, I think the Bronx is re- re- Bronxable and. <laughs> Responsible, <laughs> like so, you know, little jokes like that, and it's funny because right. people look at the Bronx as like a big hood, right? Right, right. But you know, um, a lot of really big influencers are from the Bronx, you yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren is from yeah, the Bronx, right, Dwick, yeah, Dwickland yeah. High School, yeah, Dwick, Stan Lee, Stan Lee, also Stan Lee's from, from the Bronx, you know what I'm saying? And the Bronx also has like the Bronx is pretty hood, I'm not gonna lie, like most of it is pretty hood, but it's there's there's a there's a beauty to it. You know what I'm saying? Like Throck's right, neck. Right. The- <laughs> <laughs> Is that like Throck? Yeah, so one of the inside jokes. Jordan's I, favorite I know. I always like bring the story back to something that's like kind of like pseudo-Republican. And right. I always, but there's a larger... But the funny part is that a lot of people want to leave the Republican narrative out of New yeah. York. But I'm like, actually, it's a huge part of... It's a huge part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you got Throck's neck. You got, you got Riverdale. Riverdale. White you know? Stone. Even, <laughs> right. even um, the area around Sporting Duval and... um. Was it uh, Marble Hill, right? Like Marble Hill. Marble yeah. Hill houses, like, is notorious, but the area around is really nice. Actually. It's nice. It's you know, really it's nice. Really nice. You know. Uh, yeah. You know. It's crazy because, like, on one side of Marble Hill is like all Dominican, right? And, and then the other side is, you know, a lot of white folks. You right. know what I'm saying? And it's is uh, there's a contrast there, but it's it's a really nice neighborhood. Yeah. And people get along for the most part, right. you know. So, but that's New York, and in, in, as a whole, New York yeah. is very diverse. But I mean, the Bronx is dope. The Bronx, I feel like, has. Parts of it that are like really dope, really beautiful. Like you name some of them. Like the point is something that I remember from when I was a kid. You know, like uh, if you were into the arts or you were into music, the point was a place where a lot of kids used to go and like, you know, they had access to be able to, you know, do things right. like that, like record, create, and stuff. create yeah. art. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, it's also the home of hip hop. It's also the home of the Trump links right off the Whitestone Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to let that sink in for a second. The birthplace of hip hop is right. also home to the Trump links, which which is crazy. Which is crazy. I, I I go to the I go to the Bronx quite frequently. I thought you were about to say I go to the Trump links quite frequently. <laughs> one one day, one day, 2020, 2020. <laughs> right. Um. So, but what's funny is that since the twenty sixteen election, they've been doing all this construction on the actual um. Like building that's right. that is on it. Yeah, like, of course. Like, you start wondering, like, oh, that that's where the that's where the taxpayer money went. To. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you know, it is. You know, the Bronx has uh, the Bronx has a little bit of everything. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you think about it, if you really know the Bronx and you've been in all these different neighborhoods, it has a little bit of everything. Right. Yeah. But, but you know, the Bronx is beautiful. Like, like really quick, just an example. My coworkers were making fun of me because they were like, "You don't like going past 96th Street anymore. You don't like going uptown." <laughs> And I was like, I mean, you know, I'm busy. I, right, I, right. I joke around with them. I'm like, there's nothing up there for me. But, you know, like, I, you know, I was I was laughing because the very first 80 degree day that we had, right. I think it was like a Wednesday. I'm looking on my Instagram story and my be- my beloved cousins who all live in the Bronx. They were outside on Clay Avenue barbecuing in front of the building. They had like the water, the water sprinklers out right, there. Right, the kids right, were right, out there. They had like yeah, a little yeah. baby pool, and they were like <laughs> filming on their phones. They had music, and you know, like some people might be like, "Oh, that's that's ridiculous." Like, is you know, it's a Wednesday, it's a school night or what? But right. you know, there, there's that uh, there's that sense of of family. Yeah, it's sense in, of in the neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, there's still yeah, a lot yeah. of community based like Absolutely. unity. It's in funny the Bronx because I went through. So like, I growing up in Cabo Hill, like I've seen the change. Like now, my my neighborhood is like one of the most desirable neighborhoods in Brooklyn. But it's like all these like hipsters, yuppies, all that. Right. But when I was a kid, it was just a bunch of Puerto Ricans, Italians, and mm-hmm. then you know, like, yeah. kind of just all over. There's like a little Muslim section, and like, and but it was the same thing, man. It would get hot. Open up the fire sprinkler. Everybody was outside. But um, block parties used to be fucking jam. It was like right, everybody right, was right. out. Now block party happens. You'll see like two people. Out. Right, right. It's like crazy. It's a, so it's like you see yeah. how the neighborhood just changes once everything sort of once that like gentrification kind of comes in. Right. And it's like the neighborhood was always mixed, but right. it's like now it's just like it's just become full on like hipster slash yuppie. Right. Like, there's right. none of that. None right. of that. So it's dope to still see parts of Brooklyn that are like right. Like when I'm driving through, my car gets hit with the spray from the hydrant right, right. or something like that. Yeah. Right, that was dope. And you know, I know that there was also the um, that there was I think I believe it's called the Bronx's Reading Festival that took place recently. Maybe I'm I'm going all the way. I didn't hear about that one. Oh, no, but I thought it was interesting because um, 
just aside from those those narratives, like those, I guess you call them the authentic cultural narratives. Like they sound like a fucking like anthropologist and shit right now. <laughs> but um, the fact that there are like POC, like like you know, social entrepreneur innovators that want to highlight stuff like that, like you know, because the name was 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 taken from the notion that the Bronx is burning. But she wanted the founder of it. Her name escapes me right now. She wanted to highlight like the educational elements too. Right. You know. So I think like um me personally like if the x could be like that place that you know i guess like what brooklyn was supposed to be right, right. having like warby parker like move in <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> like, I think ideally that's what the direction the bronx should be but you know mm-hmm. we'll 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 wait and see the, the bronx is uh the bronx is gonna fight gentrification as much as they can I feel <laughs> yeah, like. yeah. yeah they're I like the last holdout <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're the last ones that like you know because uh, you know the gentrification is weird because it's, it's very odd mm-hmm. because like you know i was in bushwick on Sunday, right, and I was uh, I'm walking through Bushwick, like borderline Williamsburg, Bushwick, and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. It's beautiful out here. I'm like, it's beautiful. Like right. these old warehouses have a lot of art, and there's restaurants right. and bars, and it's it's gorgeous. But what happens is is that the people who've lived there all their lives they, they can't afford it yeah. anymore because the price goes up. So it's like you know, I've seen like most of the people I grew up with are not in my neighborhood anymore. Like, right, I was lucky enough that like my family owned the house we lived in. My grandfather bought it in the seventies, right. and it was like, so we were lucky enough that we weren't pushed out of the neighborhood. Right, but right. I had friends who were like in the railroad apartment stuff. I remember right. my boy we used to hang out in his apartment all the time. Same thing, like railroad yep. was like a block from my house, gone. Like his yeah, family had to crazy. move to Florida. So, but it's like yeah. I feel like it was it's easier for the Bronx to fight the gentrification just a little bit, and maybe that's why the South Bronx mm-hmm. is sort of getting it now because it's so close to the city. Yeah. Yeah. But like because the Bronx is so far up there, yeah, it's I think easier that's what it is, is. Brooklyn's where it is. so close to Manhattan that it yeah. was like, nope, you're getting swallowed up. Like you're right. getting brought into this. So. Yep. Yeah. It is what yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is now I got to go to Union Market and <laughs> pay five dollars <laughs> for a loaf of bread. <laughs> um, so. You think how do you think B- Big Pun would have reacted to <laughs> Sobro? <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know honestly, man. Pun, you know, Pun I've I've learned a lot working on this documentary about Pun. And and I mean for I'm sure a lot of people know, but for those who don't know, Pun never moved out of the Bronx. Right. And Pun was oh, rich. Right. Pun was very he could have got out. <laughs> he made a lot of money in the time that, you know, the short time that he was famous. Right. He made a lot of money and he was very rich. He he had a house um, I forget where the house was exactly. They some some guys mentioned it to me, but he you know he had like ten motorcycles. He had like all kinds of like right, right. you know BMWs and Benzes right outside of. But he refused to leave the Bronx. Right. That's like <laughs> that's that's somebody who truly loves the Bronx. Right. Like I'm not leaving this. That's your comfort zone. Right. You right. know. And and people would tell him like, yo, you gotta get out of here. Like you're too famous. Like, you, know, to like LA, you might yeah, you might yeah, have yeah. haters Miami, and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or or ever, or, or just yeah. like even like Connecticut, you right, know, it's right. like just get the you, hell out. Because people are like, you know, now you're high profile, you know, you're gonna have people hating on you, and right. and he was just like, nah, I'm good. This is right. my comfort zone. This is where I want to be at. And, Which I uh, say, good for him, man. Yeah. You know? So I don't, I don't know how Pun would have reacted to the gentrification. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, like like I said, it still hasn't fully happened yet. So right, people right. are like, they're okay with it just for now. And honestly, I don't know if you've been to like Sobro, but that part of the South Bronx, there was really, there wasn't much there anyway. Right. It's just a bunch oh, of yeah. warehouses. Yeah, and I've, stuff I've like been that. in the area before. Yeah. So it used to be, it was like a bunch of kind of some mostly abandoned warehouses. Right. Yeah. Like right. That, it yeah. wasn't really a residential area yeah. anyway, you yeah. know? But uh, it's funny you mentioned that too, because I remember I, I got off the, um, the Cross Bronx once. Was it the Cross? No. Yeah, no. Well, I got off one of the highways once, and um, I basically like, screwed up my gps and so i'm like driving around and like you still see that overpass there's a particular overpass where you still see like drug addicts who oh yeah, they are, money. yeah. like you know what yeah. i mean you still see like that area where right around um where uh the metro north stations are where like it still hasn't changed entirely. Yeah, i feel like ev- yeah. i feel like every borough has that though. yeah it's like you go down atlantic avenue and you hit right where the uh-huh. train overpass comes right. up it's the same thing it's real yeah. sketchy out there. That. so it's like yeah. Yeah. you know um every every borough has yeah. it has its areas you know yeah. but that's true it's still sketchy so yeah. i guess like um what else did you learn about doing this documentary yeah like what was the what was like probably the most interesting, whether it be like fact yeah. about pun or just like about his situation, like the most interesting thing you got out of like creating. Um, there was there was several things that I that I learned about pun. Like I feel like I'm I'm a 
you know, I, I'm like a hip hop nerd, so like right, I feel right. like I already knew a lot about Pun because Pun was like my favorite rapper since '98. Like right, I was right, like, right. yo, this dude is amazing. Like he blew my mind. It wasn't even the fact that he was Puerto Rican. It was just like he was a his, dope rapper, his dope, dope MC, rap yeah. style, the way he used to put his his whole you know his songs, his albums, right, were just right. like he had two, but they were just incredible. Um, but I, I did learn I did learn a few things. I learned a few things about that album specifically. Um, but for but there was like um. There was like a, a, a narrative that went across everyone's story. Right. And that was the fact that he was very giving. Right. Everyone had that same, like, um, you know, Ms. Jones. I don't know if you remember yeah, Ms. Remember Jones. Jones. She was on the album. She told me, she, you know, she told me, she said, oh, man, I, she was like, you know, she, she, she didn't end up in a documentary, unfortunately, but she told me, you know, Pun was so was so good with me. She was like, he actually gave me the down payment for my first house. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And, and those were the kind of stories that I was getting right, from right, everyone. Right. Um, I think it was LV, who was an intern at the time at Loud Records. Right. Uh, he's a producer. He was an intern at the time, and he was helping, working on a project. He told me that, that Pun, I think Pun like bought him like his first like DJ, mixer, turntable. Or right, right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he wow. said, damn, I want to, you know, I need this. And Pun went and bought it for him. Right, like, like, yo, just here. Kickstarted his career. He was just career, su yeah. <laughs> super giving, like right. super giving. You know, I think Tony Sunshine told me that, you know, like the ice cream truck would be out and he would like buy all of the ice cream in the ice cream truck and right. just like for the kids. So like all the kids would just go up and just get, get the ice cream for free yeah, and he yeah. would pay for the entire thing. Right. So that that was like the one thing that I learned about him that was like uh, I wasn't shocked to hear that I kind of already knew but but the fact that he was so giving right I've yeah I don't know if I would have been that giving <laughs> I don't think I'm that giving I'm giving but Put, not that giving I don't know if I'm putting a down payment on you know, someone's house on a, yeah I mean that that's incredible this is right, not a right. family member this is just someone that you'd consider a friend right, you know right, uh, right, right. but but you know that that's be like I buy you a nice vase <laughs> right yeah absolutely absolutely. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of other stories that, that I didn't hear about right, you know, right, where people right. were, were given things by pun. You know, his like, you know they benefited off his generosity. But, um, yeah, that was one thing that I learned. Um, but, but I did get a lot of dope stories about the making of that album as well, which is, you know, kind of dope. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. You know? Well, I'm also curious to know, like, did, was there anything about, like, Bronx hip-hop culture that you that you learned that you didn't know before or um also was there anything in the realm of like i guess like like puerto rican american history in the bronx especially in new york especially that you got out of while you were while you were doing this well i would just say that well i, I mean you know i've i i've done a lot of my research because you know growing up as a puerto rican in new york you don't get Puerto Rican history. They don't right. teach you that. I either. mean, I'm half Puerto Rican. I can't speak Spanish. It's like <laughs> sad state of affairs. <laughs> but, you know, but Joe, I will remind you, you are not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of us that can't yeah, speak yeah, Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I speak Spanish, fortunately, but, you know, a lot right. of people don't. But, you know, just like the history of Puerto Ricans in New York, we don't learn that in school. Right. Not, right. You not know, so, yeah. um, you know, I, I've done a lot of research. Like, I read a really good book about the Young Lords called... Yeah. Um, I believe it was called We Are the Streets or or it was something like that. Don't don't quote me on it, but right. but um it was a really good book. Mm -hmm. Incredible book. I learned a lot of things from that, but um uh, specifically learned uh, from this documentary not really. I mean, it was more it was more like hip-hop based. Um but it's it's crazy because like you know, I feel like Puerto Ricans are a part of hip-hop. Like we are hip-hop. Right, you know, right. like we were in right. hip-hop since the beginning. So for us it was like it's natural, right. you know what I'm saying? It just comes natural, it just like flowed. Yeah, yeah. right. Like like um, someone was telling me a story about Pun where I think he was being interviewed for MTV or something like that, and they were like, "Oh, um, how does it feel to be a Latino rapper?" And it kind of annoyed him because he was like, "Well, you know, when you go to Tower, you know, Tower Records back back in the day, this is right, 90s." Right. He said, "When you go to Tower Records or wherever to pick up your favorite albums, and you want to say you want to get a, an Usher album, you don't say." Oh, I want that. Uh, I want that African American R and B singers right, album. Right, right, right. Or if you were getting a Biggie album, you're like, oh, I want that that Jamaican American. He was like, you never say that. So why am I the Latino rapper? I'm just a rapper. Rapper, yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's crazy that he said that. But like now, people don't really make a big deal out of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, Lil Pump is is Colombian. 
nobody really knew that. <laughs> Jordan's like, <laughs> yeah, people don't know things like you know, and they it's even, not it's not as big of a right, deal. They don't any, think about where I, they're I from. I think the right. visceral yeah. image of a little pump might actually throw people <laughs> off. <though. laughs> like, Joe, you probably don't know who. Never seen yeah, I'm, I'm lost. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I knew Jordan would know. Well, little pump is completely different from pump, but but if you think about it. I feel like Pun kind of kicked that door down so that he doesn't have to go to every interview and people like, oh, so you're Colombian, right? Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, that's not what it is. It's just, I'm, I'm Lil just Pump. a rapper. He's just, yeah. he's just a rapper from Florida. You right, know what right, I'm saying? Right. It's Lil Pump. Um, so I think that that is, a, I think that was one of the big things that that uh, that Pun and Fat Joe Absolutely, yeah. you know, kind of helped. Right, right. You know what I'm saying with the in, in the rap game. Like that's Usher like the, in that movie. That's one yeah, of their yeah. contributions to the game. You right, know what right, I'm saying? Right, the right. fact that you don't, you just, you just a rapper. You right. don't have to. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's always so funny too, because it's like, and I was mentioning a little of this beforehand, but like, I always like growing up through the you know, 90s and you know being from New York, like I always revered Pun as like one of the best rappers ever. Like he's one of the dopest dudes I've ever heard. Right. But it's just crazy how like outside of here you just don't some people just don't know who he is. Yeah. But but yeah. what he but like what you're saying is what he did for the game. Like right. so all these other, you know, Latino rappers could yeah. just be rappers now. It's right. like he's you're like you're saying he got that ball rolling. Right. But then there's some people that are just like cause, you know, whether it be he was just like because he's from the 90s or mm-hmm. what have you. Right. And I, and every time I hear it, I'm like, yo, are you kidding me? That's like one of the top fives, like in my right. opinion. But right. like people don't, you know. Yeah. And we kind of uh, spoke about this beforehand. I don't want to get too much into it. But I feel like, I, you know, there's reasons why, you know, he's not bigger than what he is, uh, unfortunately. But, right. But, um, you know, what I would say about that is... He, it is what it is. Like, you know, I, it is one of the reasons why I decided to do the documentary. You know, right. it was one of the reasons why I decided to, like, put together, you know, a, a tribute, you know what I'm saying, so right. to speak, about the 20th anniversary of what I think is probably one of the best hip-hop albums I've ever listened right, to. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And I'm pretty sure a lot of people can agree with me on that. You right, know, not right. a lot of people are going to be like, nah, that's not true. No. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, you're not going to... know gonna, hip-hop, you're going to listen. Yeah, you're going right. to know that album. Absolutely. Right? Exactly. You're going to be... Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to be like, yeah, that is one of the best albums ever. You right, know what right, I'm saying? Right. So... Um, it was one of the reasons why I decided to do it, you know, and and when I went into it, I went into it with no money. Right. You know what I'm saying? I was <laughs> doing everything out of pocket. Um, so was it that, though, like you you would realize like this anniversary was coming up and you were like, yo, this this is why this documentary should happen. Is yeah. that what like well, what motivated you? Were there other what other motivations behind like? Well, originally I started doing it five years prior because I wanted That's to what do you said. a it was 15 like, year anniversary. Right. Uh, right, right. Um. And, you know, I, I kind of rushed it and, you know, mm-hmm. I got a lot of dope interviews from some really great and relevant people. But, um, you know, I, I feel like it, it was kind of rushed. So I was like, you know what? 20th anniversary is coming up. Um, I, I, I took the stuff that I had shot from before and I right. was like, you know, let me start reworking on it. So I think like maybe about two or three years before the 20th anniversary, I kind of jumped back on it. And right, I was right. like, you know what? Let me work on this and let, let me try to see if I can get something ready for the 20th anniversary because I don't know if anybody else is. Right, right. You right. know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we don't hear as much as we should about pun. Right. So I, you know, I just, I dove in. I was, I was actually, I was actually, una- I, like, I wasn't sure about how I was going to do it. And I was actually in D.C. with someone, you you know, Brooke, remember Brooke? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, shout out to Brooke England. Uh, <laughs> she's, like, very outspoken and, you know, she just tells it how it is. Right, and we right. were We were in D.C. and we were sitting down and we were talking about it. And she was like, well, what are you waiting for? And I was like, well, I don't have the money to like do it. She was like, so what? Just shoot it. Right, right. You know enough people to you know to, to have them come and sit down and sit in front of a camera and just, just start shooting it. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. There you go. So I took what I had and I just, I went, you know, I started hitting up a bunch of publicists and people right, that right. I know. And I'm, I actually met some really good people doing right. it, but right. that's what it was. I just started shooting it. I just started getting interviews from people and I got a lot more yes than no. Right, right, right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? See, that's awesome, too. Yeah. I like that. Like, yeah. it started as one thing. You realize, all right, maybe it's not ready. 
right. took your time, rebuilt it back up, and turned it into what it became now, which I think is dope. Right. It's all Especially about the journey. Like, yeah, yeah, like being a film, like myself, yeah. I studied film as well, and right. like, you know, trying to make films. So yeah. to like hear somebody, like a success story like that, like it's you were tough. It costs money. Got, Production yeah, yeah. costs <laughs> no, money, <I> know. <laughs> It costs a lot of money sometimes. Sometimes you look at it like, damn, what am I? Yeah, <laughs> it costs like, money, man, yeah. like, you know? Yeah. I remember when I went, uh, when I was first in uh, undergrad for film, and like, they were like, they were like real honest, like right from the beginning, like, yeah, listen, you're going to spend this amount of money in this right. class, this amount of money in this class, this amount. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, maybe I need to become a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, crazy. Yeah, you end up seeing <laughs> a much different lot. podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> tell, me <about> it. <laughs> tell me how you feel, yeah. your inner thoughts <laughs> about fun. <laughs> 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 yeah, man, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, nah, it, was, it, was a, it costs money. Production costs money, yeah. man. So anybody out there who's listening and you want to get into filmmaking, just know you're <laughs> probably gonna have to sacrifice some of that bread. That, it's gonna hit for, your wallet. <laughs> some of that money up, but I mean, you know, the if if you're dedicated and you have a goal and you push forward regardless, you're gonna make it. The happen. end goal is gonna be is gonna be satisfying to yeah. you, even if it's not the most incredible project ever. Yeah. But right. just the fact that you did it. Right. That's that's the satisfaction. Like, damn, I did it. You know. I can't remember where this comes from, and I, I'll like butcher it. But I was there was a quote from something that was basically the gist of the quote was like dedication always beats out talent because you can have people that yeah. have all the talent yeah. in the world but if Absolutely. they ain't dedicated right they're not gonna make it yeah. but if right. you're dedicated and you're trying oh. hard you can always learn something you can yeah. keep Absolutely. pushing forward Absolutely. so uh you know Yes. If you're out there, keep it. This came into like a ding, 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 the more you know. 8 a.m. shifts. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. There's like the whole like consistency over like flash in the pan. Time right. Especially, yeah, yeah. especially like, you know, like I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, you know, like LeBron can drop 51 points. I, this is a bad example because LeBron and the Damn, you, bro, you, you kicking yeah, I mean, him while yeah, he's down. I love LeBron just, James. Just I love lost <laughs> the finals. But, but I want to say this. Right? But kick him while he's down. <laughs> no, but I want to say like, you know they were he, he you know LeBron lost games where he dropped like he was the highest scorer right, right, like, right. but like you know you look at it you know you look at a team that connects like Golden State right yeah you know it's like they spread it across the boards you know what I mean all like, of them work towards all of them work it, to yeah, it. Yeah. so I know that's like not exactly a one to one I'm just thinking about that because it's probably the closest I, <laughs> I could think of at the moment I, I bet like Jr is not as dedicated as LeBron is you know what I'm saying right, so. right, oh man <laughs> <laughs> all right how about here's a better example um. Really abstract one, but I often think of Erica Badu versus Lauren Hill. Right. Um. So Erica Badu kind of occupies a space that Lauren Hill was supposed to occupy. Right. Why is that's that? That's actually I think a very good example. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lauren Hill had like one, one, one solo album. One like, iconic. One album. iconic mm-hmm. album. Uh, you know, part, I guess a third of of two other Fuji's albums and right. an MTV Unplugged album. Right. Mm-hmm. Erica Badu, her first several albums were. Absolutely incredible, yeah. but but like miseducation is kind of looked at as a, a kind of like a touchstone. Like yeah, I mean, right. I mean, you have Drake sampling it on that yeah, guy, yeah. that guy again, right? <laughs> that guy. Drake sampling it for like a a song that's about woman empowerment. So right, 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 absolutely. But if you were to say like who is likely to do an award show at this moment, yeah. it'd probably yeah, be Erica Badu, right? Who's sure. still like doing way more shows and still like you know what i'm saying yeah, erica badu yeah, yeah. i was uh i was actually it's oddly enough i was like talking to somebody i was like out at something i was talking to some dude he he had brought up like how like this band dropped out of a, a show and they still got like half their payment or something and it, it reminded me of, so there was like maybe like five four or five years ago i go to a festival and lauren hill was playing and everybody was taking bets as to whether she was going to come out <laughs> or if she came out, was she gonna be like two hours late? What happened? Right. She ended up being. She ended up coming out two hours late. Wow! And did somebody the show, won that bet, right, which is crazy enough because it's like a festival, so it's like back to back acts. Right, so right. the yeah. fact that she was two hours late meant like someone had to play longer and X, Y, and Z. Oh, man. But it was like I literally was thinking like she probably just spent a whole summer like either getting half checks <laughs> or like coming out late, you know. But right. I guess you know if you can sustain on a that, documentary like, on like, her would be very interesting. That would be crazy because oh, yeah. I feel yeah. like she's very. She keeps things to herself a lot. Oh, yeah. We yeah, don't yeah, really yeah. hear from her as much yeah, as she's we would like to. Up. Which is like, you know, her prerogative. Like, Absolutely. I got, I got yeah, nothing yeah, against that. But, you know, if you're going to do a show, do it on time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, absolutely. Or do it. Right. <laughs> um, so going back to that part that you mentioned earlier about why not enough people, why why a lot of people don't know or 
really pay homage to pun the way they should. I don't know. I, like being me the way that I love hip hop if I didn't know anything about pun and somebody were to put me on a pun now I would be so mad at myself yeah I'd be like how did I, I, like, how did, yeah, how I yeah, didn't yeah. know about this shit <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying I would have been I would have been upset right, but right. Uh, you well, know it's, it's, well I mean that's when I, when I think of like earlier when we mentioned all like those touchstone moments like now that you're seeing like Jesus and Miro right. Cardi B like I just don't see any of those things not things people right right when I think of them I think I just feel like the the template was set by like stuff that you saw from TS back in like the absolutely. Night, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't as weird as it sounds. Like yeah, like those guys probably had no interaction with with. I mean, I'm speaking. I mean, I'm speaking. I shouldn't speak on their behalfs, but right. Right. I just don't see them having like interacted that much. Like Cardi B's too a little bit young. She's really young. She's yeah. really young. She probably, I'm sure. I'm sure she didn't know you know pun personally. She but probably, yeah, she probably saw Fat Joe. Uh, yeah, but, plenty yeah. Of right. Time, but, but but I mean, Cardi B. Cardi B is like. She's like a descendant of that. Yeah. Right. Like, right, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah. Cardi B knows who She's like a is. direct descendant. She's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, yeah. Cardi B, they, she comes from that. Yeah, like, she yeah, comes yeah. from the from the Remy Ma's and the, and the big puns right. and the, the fat French, Joe's. French Montana. Especially being from the Bronx. French Montana, too. Yeah, French yeah, Montana, yeah. you know, and it has nothing to do with style. Even though French Montana's style of music is different, right. it was it was a... It was a, it was a lot closer to like what you would think Bronx hip hop is now early on in his yeah, career. Yeah, right, he, right, you know, right. he obviously grew and his he you know, came into his own sound and stuff. But all of those people are direct, direct like children right, of right. like Terror Squad. Right. right. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Bodega Bams, great yeah. example. Right, He's right, also right. in the documentary. A direct, you know, direct children of of Terror Squad and right, Big Pun right. and Fat Joe. You know what I'm saying? There's no denying that. And if you right. were to ask him, I'm sure. He would say, yeah. So Big Pun and Fat Joe will always be a part of New York history. Like, undoubtedly, legends. New York legends. Right. Not just Bronx legends, but New York legends. Right. I was shooting, when we were shooting for the documentary towards the end, I went and I got some drone footage of the mural right. that's up right. uh, by, right, by Westchester right. Avenue in the Bronx um, right. of Pun. They, you know, Tats crew, was, they did right, it. Right, right, right. But they, you know, they changed it several times. Right. But, like, while we were out there shooting... I would see people walking by and people would just like, they would like just regular people walking by around the neighborhood. They would take their phone out and they would be like, Yo, taking like, pictures. <laughs> taking yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah. But even more interesting was that there was a tour bus that pulled up and a bunch of non-English non speaking white folks hopped out and that's they started they taking photos. Them. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if you don't know about pun, you need to do your research because, right, right. because pun is actually global. That's what I'm saying. And it's like the dude, as I said, just what he did for, for hip hop, man. It's like what, like just knowing that people out there don't know, whether it be age or, right. you know, proximity yeah. to New York. Right. The fact that people don't know his stamp on hip hop right. sometimes is like mind boggling. Yeah. And I know I sound like a broken record, but I got to keep saying it because right. people need to know who <laughs> yeah. is, man. And yeah. it's like, like, yeah, I'm 35, you know, like yeah, we're yeah. all, we, right. we all grew up in that time Absolutely. when he was like right in the thick of it. So right. like we were just there. Absolutely. It's but, crazy. um, yeah, you know, like, I, real quick, I don't mean to cut you off. No, go for it. Real quick. I, um, so an interesting story, um, I believe it was Tony Sunshine that told me the story. I had asked him, I was like, what, what would you say is the impact or was back then, back in the 90s, early 2000s, what was the impact of pun on Latinos that were outside of New York? Right. Like, say, right. on the West Coast. Because right. this is pre-internet. You know what I'm saying? Now we have the internet, so everybody has access yeah, to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, which is the reason why a lot of music sounds so similar. Right. right. But, uh, you know, and he told me a story about how, like, right after pun passed, they were doing a show out in Cali or something. They were on the West Coast somewhere. And uh, he had a pun t-shirt and... Excuse me. He had a pun T-shirt on, and he said there was this, you know, this young Mexican kid that was like, "Yo, Holmes, man, I want, I want that T-shirt." Right, right. And he was like, you know, he's coming. He's from the Bronx, so <laughs> yeah, he was like, "What?" He was like, "What?" He thought the dude was trying to raise up on right, him. Right, right, right. Like, yo, like, nah, man, you ain't getting nothing off of me. Like, I ain't giving you this shirt. You know what I'm saying? So right. he said the dude asked again. He said, "Yo, man, come on, man, let me get that shirt." And he was like, "Nah, man, like, I'm not giving you nothing. Like, I ain't giving you shit." Right. So then he said, when they stepped outside. The kid now had like a huge crowd of people. It was like it's like fifteen or twenty of them now. Right, right, right. And he was like, "Yo, man, that's that shirt that I want, man. That's that shirt." So then he was like, "So, so Tony's like, nah." I'm, he was like, "So at this point, I'm ready to just like fight, right, like right, fight right. everybody. Like y'all not taking a, 
You know what I'm saying? But then someone he was with was like, yo, man, just, yo, give him the shirt. Right. So he said he took the shirt off and he gave it to the kid and he said the kid raised the shirt up in the air like it was a flag right, and they went right. crazy. Man. They went bananas like, yo, like we got a punch shirt. I love that, man. That's that's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. You know, this is pre-internet. This right. is, you know, but that that's the impact that he was making. You know what I'm saying? On Latinos everywhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? All and just hip hop heads everywhere, you yeah. know? That's crazy. That's dope. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a dope story. <laughs> I see this kid with the flag. Just like, yeah. yeah, yeah. He said they went absolutely bananas, man. I thought I thought that was a really dope story. That you know. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm glad he told me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Side so note: Did you make it out to the parade? I did not make it out to the parade. I feel like <laughs> a lot of like native New York, especially like yeah. at a certain age, you're you just kind of like. Eh. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. I didn't go to the fe- the festival is actually not far from me. Like I live right below this, like right below Spanish Harlem. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, my cousins go every year faithfully right. as an entire crew. Right. My mom was out there. The babies were out there. They were calling me. They were like, you're not coming out here. You're not coming to the festival. <laughs> Yo, it's lit out here. You got to come to the festival. Because I used to go every year. But, you know, I'm a little older now. And right, I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm not old. But I'm a little older now. And, and I did all of that. So it's like I kind of get annoyed with crowds. Yeah, so it yeah, has yeah. nothing to do with me not wanting to rep. Yeah, but it's a crowd. I'm like, if I don't really have a reason to be up there, like if I'm not working or, or helping someone do something, i just rather just, right, you right, know, right. handle my business elsewhere. And the same with the parade. Like I got close to the parade. Because <laughs> I had some friends from out of town, they were like, "Oh, how do we get to the parade from here?" They came right. from Philly, and I was like, "I'll walk you over to Fifth Avenue and 86th Street, <laughs> which is like close to where I live." I was, I walk you right over to Central Park, and then and, just send them on there. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> so I did. I walked them to Fifth Avenue. I was like, go left and just walk straight down in like three blocks. You're gonna like you see a bunch of flags. You're gonna see a bunch of flags. Yeah, like you know, with, like where I was standing, we had like you know, we had all like. It was like the outskirts of it. So you see like one or two flags over here. But like as <laughs> right, you look right. down the block, right. you just see like a multitude of like Puerto Rican flags, you right, know. Right. So um, I, I didn't make it because, you know, I just try to stay away from the crowds. Right. But, you know, I be I rep, I rep in my heart, though, you know. Yeah, I was, I was just, I've, I've always been like the same way for a long time because it's like I've been, I've done it. And right. now I'm kind of like, I don't need to be around. That yeah, you're like, people. I'm good. Like, I, if I good. want to, I can like watch it on TV. Yeah, or something it's hard like to walk that. around. Yeah. The cops block the streets. Like, it's always <laughs> a whole thing. You know what I'm saying? I think I was telling Jordan once, uh, or somebody, <laughs> one of the best, so my, uh, my, fi- my now fiance at the time when we were like first dating, she lived on like the Upper East Side and whenever the Puerto Rican Day Parade came, it was great because like she was in like a mostly like white, especially like right. older white neighborhood. Right. And that was like the only time where like you'd see a bunch of Puerto Ricans like walking around yeah, up there. Absolutely. I loved it because they would just be like, what's going on yeah. right now? <laughs> and I would be like, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. Oh man, I like yeah. that too. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I do. That's that's the part that I do. I like to see the look on people's faces yeah. when they see all these Puerto yeah. Ricans getting off the six train, <laughs> and they're like coming uh, from the Bronx, they're getting off the six train on 86th Street or like on you know what I'm saying on right, 72nd right, right. Street, they're getting off, and people are just confused, right. like what? Like, like, you know what, what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Did something change while I was getting my bagel? Yeah. Oh man, it's great. It's great. <laughs> and it's funny because like a lot of them, not to like shit on all of them, like a lot of them <laughs> got into it too. They'd be like, oh, like yeah. this is when like neighborhoods got flavor now. Like let's right. Go out and like check it out no doubt but like a lot of them would just be real a perplexed. lot of people just they're real like, confused Ugh. they're like yeah, well, you know I was I was at Eric Kaiser I came out and all of a sudden there were a bunch of Puerto Ricans <laughs> yeah, where, where's my child you stay close to me stay close to me <laughs> meanwhile the kids waving these a flag people are dancing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why are all these people dancing yeah. why does it smell like like rising gondolas <laughs> and Hennessy and Hennessy <laughs> that's a it's a good time though yeah, you know what I'm saying nah, nah, it's a good time it's a fun time, man. Anyway, uh, you got any last thoughts you yeah, want to leave us you with? Share, man? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, well, we while we're on the topic of Puerto Rico, you know, um, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking towards like doing some like fundraising, probably like early September with a with a coworker of mine. Um, I'll let you guys know. Yeah, we'll do it up in Fort Tryon Park, but um, you know, I, I feel like that that shouldn't stop. Because right. a lot of people have yeah. been affected and are still being still affected, being affected yeah. by the yeah by the you know the hurricane and and uh, you know 
all of that. So, yeah. uh, you know, pass us any info. We'll post yeah. it up on uh, our social media. Dope. Yeah, Chef, dope. Instagram, definitely. Facebook, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I definitely will. When the time comes around, I get more details yeah. out. Let you guys know. Let's not forget everybody. Right. Puerto Ricans are Americans, too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. To be honest, it doesn't matter who they are. We should be helping them. But uh, absolutely. You know, they're Americans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Uh, well, thanks for being on, Jose. Yeah, you no doubt. Thanks awesome for having me. Yes, we'll come back in sometime soon. And I uh, guess that's it, right? Yep, that's it. All right, shift is out. Shift is out. <laughs>